it became very clear to me that the world was on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. And and one of the ways that it's on the wrong path, I think, is that people do not think for themselves. Uh, we we don't have agency in our own lives, so we rely we rely on on others to live our own lives, to make our own decisions. Mm -hmm. And and to put another way, centralization, right? I think centralization is 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 one of the problems because centralization defers responsibility and authority to someone else. And Bitcoin is is such a powerful tool because it allows the individual to take that back. And I think to change the path that we are on and to create a better world, step one is realizing our own power. And I do not know any tool available in the world that does that better than Bitcoin. I think the simple existence of Bitcoin, just becoming a user and learning about how the system works, encourages people to view themselves through a different lens and to, to realize their own power. Hello guys, welcome to Bitcoiner. Today we have the great pleasure to talk with John Dennehy. He is the, the founder of Mi Primer Bitcoin, my first Bitcoin diploma. And uh, so we're going to talk uh, to talk about that. But before that, uh, John, please, can you introduce yourself a little bit? <laughs> sure. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for having me on. First of all. Um, I, I love I love talking with with people who are just excited, just as excited about this as I am. Um, so my name is John Dennehy. I am originally from New York. Uh, I currently live in El Salvador. So I've I've been a Bitcoiner for for about for nearly exactly ten years at this point, um, and I'm I'm really really excited about what's happening here in El Salvador. Just just it's the first country in the world to adopt Bitcoin. I, I think uh, I think what happens here is 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 really important for the rest of the world. Um, so yeah, be, before I came here, then I did a variety of different things. I I traveled quite a bit, and I often worked as a journalist, um, not necessarily about Bitcoin. Uh, sometimes though, sometimes I would write about about Bitcoin or more often one of my beats was to write about value. So uh, about currencies in, in different parts of the world and, and how people use them in, in different parts of the world, like rural, urban and, and differences uh, between perceptions of value. That was that was one of the things that, that I was always interested in writing about, um, which is probably why I'm interested in Bitcoin. It's, it's just this really fascinating value proposition. Um, so yeah, I was a journalist, no longer I'm a journalist. Um, now I am spending 110% of my time and energy soul into, into my first Bitcoin. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and th thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for what, what you're doing in El Salvador. It's really incredible. And we're going to talk about, about that. And, uh, and I, I want to know that if you, 
you ever have been in other places in Latin America? It was your first experience going to El Salvador or how was it? Have you been in Latin America way before? Yes, I am quite fond of Latin America. Um, <laughs> I My first time, well, I traveled briefly when I was in university, so I must have been 19 or 20, early 19. Uh, for, first time I ever left the United States was uh, to visit Peru and Bolivia. And immediately after finishing undergrad in the U.S., I was not very happy with the direction that my country was heading in. And I wanted to live abroad and work abroad. And I, I found a job um, teaching English and, and lived in Ecuador for about four years. Uh, so Ecuador is actually, um, it's kind of my second my second home after New York. I, I, I think Ecuador has been, been a really important place for me. I have like a, I have a godchild there. I have some, some very good friends, people that I consider like family there. Uh, so I go back and visit quite a bit, but but in addition to those, to those um, those couple of countries mentioned, I've I've traveled quite a bit in Latin America. This is my favorite part of the world, and I also really like to travel. So um, I have been to every every country in Latin America. Wow! At least one. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, can you? Tell us a little bit about your rabbit hole journey because I love I love this, the stories of all Bitcoiners. It is really fascinating because everyone we have like different approach from uh, yeah. from the rabbit hole journey and uh, that, that's it's fascinating because I always ask the same question but the, the answers are way different for everyone. So I, I would love to to know what what's your story how how did you, did you discover Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I was a little bit predisposed to Bitcoin for for two main reasons. One, I I, I was very political in the United States um, when I was in the university there, mostly anti-war. So this was, you know, 20 years ago. So this is around the, the time of the Iraq war, post-September 11th, um, and the military buildups there. And I was very opposed to them, which led to lots of arrests and, and some time in jail in the U.S., um, for, for political protest and uh which is why I went to Latin America in the first place which is why I went to Ecuador and then in Ecuador so I already had a negative concept of the state and the power of the state uh that that already existed I went to Ecuador and I actually um there was a change in government in Ecuador I was actually working for the government of Ecuador but but a new government took over and my visa wasn't recognized and I ended up getting deported. And in that deportation, then they seized my assets. I had a, I had a bank account in Ecuador um, because, because, again, I was working for the government. I was working for a public university and I needed an Ecuadorian bank account so they could have direct deposits. Um, and they froze that account and seized my assets which was a very, very, uh, very personal reminder of the the dangers of of putting state and money together. Mm -hmm. um, so I was already very much of the opinion that money and state should be separated. And then in 2013, in early 2013, around this time, um, 
then I saw an article about Cyprus, mm -hmm. uh, the the European island nation, the small island nation in Europe. Uh, they had a bank bail-in, so they had, you know, they had some financial difficulties, um, and the country couldn't pay couldn't pay its bills. So they went into everyone's bank accounts and they took a percent of everyone's bank accounts. Uh, I don't know what it was, like 7%, 8% uh, to pay off to pay off the state debt that they had. Yeah. And that, and I read an article about it. And one, the article, like my reaction to the article was like, that's terrible. You know, states should not have that power. And two, the article mentioned just as a throwaway line, something to the effect of Bitcoin users unaffected. And I was like, Bitcoin users unaffected? Like what, what is that? Like what, what's Bitcoin? Um, so then that that prompted me to to start to look into it, to read the white paper and all that. And and it just again, I, I already had this prior experience. Uh, so I think I was predisposed to it, but it just it just clicked. I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. My I had two two initial thoughts mm -hmm. and they were this won't work the state won't let it happen they will crush this because this is this is such a powerful challenge to their authority mm -hmm. that there's no way that the system will will allow this to to happen that was the first thought the second thought was i want to try anyway it's worth trying to do this i don't know what the chance of success is but it's not zero and if it's not zero, then then I really, really want to support this effort to to try to make that a little bit higher than, you know, uh, a little bit higher chance of success. Um, so I got I got into uh, that later that year, I moved to England and I went to grad school in England. So I spent two years there and almost by accident because I had another issue with with my bank account because I had a U.S. bank account. Uh -huh. And because I was using it in another country, it like triggered something. And then it actually, um, I couldn't, I couldn't make withdrawals from ATM. So the workaround was for me to deposit into, uh, deposit dollars that I had in the U.S. bank account into an exchange by Bitcoin and then sell the Bitcoin in England. That was the way that I just got money, right? Because the fiat system wasn't working um, for me. And, and I realized that uh, there was a demand for it. I got to meet really cool people. I got to, um, I got to make a little bit of extra money. So I was using local Bitcoins and that became kind of like a little, little side business um, where I, where I, I sold, you know, quite, quite a few Bitcoins um, on local Bitcoins exploiting arbitrage between the the price in in the US and the price in England. This is 2013 so the 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 ecosystem was was not very well developed so the the price was a little bit different in each place. Yeah. Um and it was a little bit higher in England than it was in the US. The infrastructure was was a little bit better in the US at the time uh to to buy bitcoin. Um so yeah, that was that was um so I I 
I got a, I got very involved very quickly with Bitcoin. Um, and, and then I kind of took a big step back when I left England, I had some, <laughs> I had some legal issues with, with selling Bitcoin on local Bitcoins. Again, the government, uh, seized my assets. They froze all my bank accounts because, because there were a lot of transactions that just raised the red flag. Um, so, um, you know, that seemed like a good time to stop anyway. Uh, and, and it honestly kind of scared me a little bit. There was a, like literally the, a gabble of police arrived at my house in England and were like, what are you doing? And wow. it was, it was, it was pretty intimidating. So yeah. I was like, okay, I feel like things could have, things were fine. There were no, there were no consequences. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, a drag for a few months, but, um, but it felt like, okay, maybe I should take a step back from things. And I went on, did other things. I studied, um, I was, I was getting my master's in, in creative writing and journalism and I finished that degree. And then I became a journalist, um, often, often abroad. So I, I traveled a lot and, and wrote about different things happening in different parts of the world. And not that I forgot about Bitcoin, but I wasn't, I always loved Bitcoin and I would talk about it individually, but I wasn't involved in, in projects. I wasn't, you know, selling Bitcoin in, in, on local Bitcoins and, uh, using peer to peer. I was, I was very excited about it, but I wasn't really involved with it until, until me from our Bitcoin. And, and that was, it was really the pandemic in 2020. I was back in New York, which was a crazy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the whole world was a crazy place. And and I, I had an opportunity to, to really think about, about the world and the direction that we were heading in. And, and the conclusion that I came to was that it was not a good direction and we needed to change course. And the best way to do that would be Bitcoin adoption. And the best way to encourage Bitcoin adoption would be Bitcoin education in the developing world. And then not long after that, El Salvador was like, we're going to adopt Bitcoin. And I was like, huh. That seems like a good place to go to. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, actually, uh, I I feel related with that because uh, I I was into Bitcoin, not into, but I, I knew and I studied Bitcoin in, in the university around 2017, but it was more like a, the approach was blockchain and the blockchain, the, the approach was the engineering approach about data and how you can manage for processing and, and the factories and everything. And, uh, but like you, and, and when we were in the lockdown during the pandemic, it was like, I I started to study it, you know, a lot and reading it, uh, and uh, the Bitcoin standard with Saifedean, it was like uh, mind blowing and and really, it was the the story of the the money history, you know. So it was way incredible. So so yeah, and uh, and uh, just like you, when when I saw that my country was like uh, Bitcoin, we're going to that Bitcoin as legal tender, and I was like. <laughs> my, what what my 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 thoughts were like is really Najib doing this because it, people 
people say had like the two opposite um thoughts one of them i i remember that people were saying like he's crazy why he's doing it and the other people were saying wow he's so brave because he's adopting bitcoin as a legal tender so so yeah the uh, for for me it was he's so brave because he's yeah. when you know what what it what it involves to adopt bitcoin as a legal tender is that basically he's uh fighting against the current system and the bank and central banks and everything right so um my, my next question was um why do you study uh journalism is because uh uh do you like to do you like justice or do you like to research things or or, or why 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 journalism <laughs> yeah i think I know that the journalism is not um, is not the favorite profession of Bitcoiners. I know there's a lot of Bitcoiners that that don't have very positive um, don't have very positive opinions about journalism and journalists. But I'm attracted to journalism for the same reason why I'm attracted to Bitcoin. When done well both are tools that could be used as a check against power. That That is, I think journalism has strayed from, from that ideal quite a bit. And journalism has, today is, is mostly about getting clicks, right? It's mostly about, I mean, it's essentially entertainment at this point. Um, and it's it's not independent, it's not impartial, it's not, it's not a tool against power. Right. Like the, the ideal of journalism is really sound. The ideal of journalism is to hold power accountable. And that's that's what I'm attracted to. That's that's the strain within journalism that I'm attracted to. Um, and uh, and um, when do you decided to go to El Salvador to El Salvador? It was when right after Najib said we're going to adopt it as legal tender or. <laughs> Or do you wait it for a couple of months? Or how was it? <laughs> so yeah, interestingly, um, you know, again, I I am very into Bitcoin, and I'm also very into travel and Latin America. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the announcement, as soon as they they announced it in, uh, I think it was June, June of 2021. Mm -hmm. I, I I almost didn't believe it, right? It was like, wait, what? A country's uh, but, but June was when they were passing the law, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. So so they they passed the law in June, um, and it was actually other people that like re friends of mine that that knew that I had that that profile, and they were like, so you're moving to El Salvador, right? And I was like, uh. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> they're like, what? Like, first thing I thought of is you're gonna move to El Salvador, and I was like, yeah, maybe. And then it, it took me, it took me like a few days to to be like, huh, like almost to accept the new reality, right? Like it was a surprise. I I did not anticipate that El Salvador was gonna adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. I didn't think any country was gonna do that. Maybe eventually, but not in 2021. Yeah. Uh, so a few days afterwards or a week or two afterwards, then, uh, then yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to move to El Salvador, um, which 
I, I, I already had that idea in my head about education. In fact, I kind of tried to implement a very early version of Me From Red Bitcoin in Ecuador um, previous to that. So earlier in 2021, so in like March and April, then I tried to organize some some community classes in, in, in Ecuador and Colombia, um, which honestly didn't really have like much traction. I mean, the pandemic was still kind of going on and it was, uh, it was to have it in person. So, um, but then after El Salvador, then I was like, huh, I feel like there's an opportunity here. Um, yeah, I have to go to El Salvador. So I started planning, I started planning the project more trying to, trying to, you know, fill in some of the, some of the details, um, of how it would work, how it could work and, and just working through the idea a little bit more in my head and, um, you know, getting the website and writing a mission statement, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I moved to El Salvador in August and, you know, the, the legal tender, the law went into effect in September, in September, 21. 21st. Yeah. Yeah, in September. Yeah. So I, I, I moved there. I moved to El Salvador after the law was passed before it was enacted. Okay. Wow. And how do you come with that with that idea of me primer Bitcoin? Uh, I mean, again, it was it was really just um, during the pandemic. It 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 became very clear to me that the world was on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the ways that it's on the wrong path, I think, is that people do not think for themselves. Uh, we, we don't have agency in our own lives. So we rely, we rely on, on others to live our own lives, to make our own decisions. Mm-hmm. And and to put another way, centralization, right? I think centralization is 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 one of the problems because centralization defers responsibility and authority to someone else. Hmm. And Bitcoin is is such a powerful tool because it allows the individual to take that back. And I think to change the path that we are on and to create a better world, step one is realizing our own power. And I do not know any tool available in the world that does that better than Bitcoin. I think the simple existence of Bitcoin, just becoming a user and learning about how the system works, encourages people to view themselves through a different lens and to to realize their own power. Um, and their own their own agency, right? That they that they that they can make their own decisions. That they can be responsible for their own actions. Um, so, yeah, I I I thought that, uh, and and it's not something something different about me from our Bitcoin um, is that we're really focused on people who are not Bitcoiners. Right. We're not we're not uh, we're not trying to further educate people who are already have some education on Bitcoin, some that already have like a, a good knowledge base. 
Um, it's not technical. It's, it's, it's the concept is to bring new people into the space. Um, and specifically, you know, in the developing world, I think the, uh, a country like El Salvador is, is really, is really going to lead the charge. So, you know, my two touchstones are really Ecuador and New York. Those are the two places where I've, where I've lived the longest and where I have the most friends and, 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 and contacts. I know a lot of people in New York that had Bitcoin. None of them really used it though. They had Bitcoin as an investment. Mm -hmm. In Ecuador, and Ecuador has a pretty similar profile to El Salvador. They were dollarized literally in the same year. They're relatively small Latin countries. Um, people could really use it in Ecuador for a number of reasons, for censorship resistance, um, you know, just, just to have uh, more control over remittances. Like there's, there, there's real use cases in Ecuador and I didn't know anyone that had Bitcoin in Ecuador. Like, and that's, that's the place where it's actually needed, you know, between the two, between Ecuador and New York. Um, so my thought was also that for Bitcoin to succeed in the right way, it has to be led from the bottom. It has to, it has to come from a place like Ecuador or El Salvador. It will not come from a place like New York. Mm -hmm. if, if we allow a place like New York to lead it, then it will, I think it will very likely be co-opted by, by the system that we really want to replace, right? There's, there's a danger that Bitcoin just becomes that Bitcoin loses its, its edge, right? Um, if, if it just becomes like a stock, like just this investment tool, like that's not its power, That is not the power of Bitcoin. Uh, so like, I, I already, I already had the thought in my head that, that the, that the real revolution would be led from the bottom. It would be led from, from people who have not benefited from the legacy system. People who, who are benefiting from the legacy system are not motivated to change it. The people who are motivated to change it, to take, to take risks, right? Like it's a risk for El Salvador to adopt yeah. Bitcoin. But a country like El Salvador or, or again, Ecuador, um, they're not benefiting from the legacy system. The legacy system is not an is is not helping them, right? It's keeping them. It, it's it's entrenching them in in a power dynamic in which they don't get to decide, right? They don't they don't control their they already don't control their currency, right? right? So so it's always going to come from from people who don't have the advantages in the in the legacy system they will always be the ones that lead the charge to to create something better well yeah absolutely that's true and how do you you say that your approach is to focus and educate people that doesn't know don't know anything about bitcoin or uh or maybe they want to start using bitcoin uh how is your first approach? Your first approach. How do you start to educating people like um, with uh, my first Bitcoin? How how do you do it? Because you go to you work with the schools or communities or how does it work? Yeah. So uh, just to preface this answer with 
the fact that I am not a teacher. So one of one of the core concepts that we have is that this should be locally led. Um, so all of our teachers are Salvadorians. And more than that, we try to, as much as possible, have the teacher be as local as possible, right? Uh, because we 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 work in the whole country. So if if we're working in a you know in a community in 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 the eastern part of the country, it should be you know, the teacher there should be someone from the eastern part of the country, right? Mm -hmm. Probably not someone from San Salvador. Mm -hmm. uh, but in San Salvador, it should be someone from San Salvador, right? So so we try to make it as local as possible because local context matters and and the people that have deep roots understand that, understand what what the community needs and 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 how to relate to them. Um, so we started with just intro classes. Mm -hmm which are just one-offs. And we we have the advantage here in El Salvador because it's legal tender. I think there's a lot of curiosity about Bitcoin. Uh, so, so, you know, it actually has not been hard to, to find, to find students because there's, there's lots of people interested. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then that, that evolved uh, last year, about a year ago, um, we we started the the Bitcoin diploma, which is a ten week program, mm -hmm. uh, and we started that in the public school system. Okay. So we had our first graduating class in June of last year, June twenty twenty two, and that was that was quite small. You know, it was a pilot essentially. It was in one school, and there were two classes, a total of thirty eight students, and and we've we've uh we've improved the curriculum quite a bit from that first one um because it was very rushed you know we had an opportunity that we wanted to take advantage of uh with a very short timeline um but we have with with each with each new group so every 10 weeks there's a new group uh we have changed the curriculum you know tried to try to learn from from um from the previous group and, and make make changes to improve it. And we are now in what is effectively the fourth edition, although the numbers start to make a little bit less sense because now the fourth edition is the first one that's not in Spanish. This is now in English. Um, and the one that we're using in Spanish now is the third edition for Spanish. Um, but we, we have grown quite a bit with that. So we, every 10 weeks we more than double at least double the number of students and the number of locations wow. so you know from one one location 38 students two locations 95 students to three uh to five locations 250 students and now we're in maybe 10, 10 locations and five or 600 students that are currently going through the program. And we plan to continue doubling in size every 10 weeks. Um, that's basically like as fast as we could go. <laughs> uh, and we, we run it in a, we do run it in the public school system. There's six, six or seven schools that we're currently running it in right now. 
in addition to that, we have also started to run it out of mayor's offices. We we've taught some 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 local government officials uh, more in the eastern part of the country, more in the department of Usultan. Okay. Uh, so so we we run it out of some city halls and some community centers. We have a project with Bitcoin Beach uh, on an island in Utsalutan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's not so yeah we do run it out of schools, but we also run it. I think we're going to start to run one out of our house. Um, but yeah, we we uh, we are always we are always growing. That's awesome, and I think the education is very fundamental to. Especially in my country, because um, I think uh, now that we have the Bitcoin circle, circular economy, it's really important to people. Even I think the most important ones are the teenagers because they are the future generations that are going to leave yeah. the country. So, yeah, yeah. and um, even in small communities, because I think it's going to, I mean, El Sante is the Bitcoin beach is the the whole example of that Bitcoin right. can fix the problems of the economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and, uh, yeah, and uh, and how do you approach to Bitcoin in, in your classes? Do you use um, different wallets? Do you use the Chibo wallet? Or how do you approach it? Is it just theoretical or people can use SATs? Or how is it? Yeah, yeah. Um... We do not use Chivo. Uh, we so it's very important for us that we are independent and impartial. Okay. So we're very careful to not tell students they have to use this wallet and they can't use that wallet. Um, so in the class we do part of the class so it's it's designed to be very interactive and that's both the intro classes which is where most of our students are we had 10,000 students in intro classes last year um whether it's the intro classes or whether it's um whether it's a diploma or meetups or or whatever then then we always try to encourage people to actually use it we find that to be a very useful educational tool to actually have people download a wallet, send them some sats, they send it to the next person, mm-hmm. um, and it and it clicks for 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 most people in a way that just talking about the theory wouldn't. So we try to make it interactive. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have a particular wallet. We will say these are these are different wallets that are available. These are you know characteristics of each one and then the the student can decide um the reason why we don't use chivo is because it has KYC. yeah mm-hmm. one is we literally can't <laughs> right um like when when we work in uh in high schools the students besides the fact that it's kyc they're not 18 right well there there might be there might be some that are 18 but many of them are 17, 16, 15, and they, that is not an option. Mm-hmm. But for, for like an intro class that's open to the public, there, there might be adults in there. I mean, it's mostly adults, like it's mostly people over 18. Um, but we also don't use it there because it's KYC. The, the idea is that people could, uh, could see how easy Bitcoin is and like, with, with some wallets, 
you download the wallet and immediately we could send you some sats you could send it to the next person moon wallet of satoshi and Uru. all of them they're yeah. not kyc <laughs> yeah. yeah so so we we have a strong preference towards non-kyc just for demonstrative purposes and then with the question of when we when we work in the school system then it's it's not even an option even if there even if there was well i guess i guess they are tied together like you can't limit miners from using it if if it's not kyc but yeah basically because it's kyc that's the main reason okay well yeah no i think that's that's one of the characteristics right that bitcoin has to be anonymous also so well not anonymous yeah. but semi-anonymous and, yeah and that you don't require at the end a kyc right and uh, and how do you see the adoption in in El Salvador, especially uh, in look? Well, it, I'm going to make that question in, in two parts. If you can allow me, one in like in tourism, and then with people in El Salvador, with Salvadorians. How do you see it in the areas that you're working? Yeah, um, I am very encouraged by the progress here in El Salvador with Bitcoin adoption. I know there's people that think that it should be going faster or that everyone should already be accepting Bitcoin, which is not the case. Not everybody accepts Bitcoin. Not everyone uses it. Um, but I think I think what's what's most important is the trend. More people use it now than they did yesterday, than they did a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. The, the trend is definitely going in the right direction. I think that's the most important thing. And also, this is basically all happened in a in a bear market. Uh, I think once it becomes a bull market, then I think I think the the speed of things will pick up. Um, with with, and that's so. What I'm that that answer was mostly about locals, right? I, I think locals are 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 slowly but steadily uh being onboarded to to bitcoin um and you know we're we're trying to play our role in that by by um by helping educate you know it's a, it's a drop in the bucket there's there's millions of people here and we've only taught tens of thousands so far um but we're just getting started we're gonna we'll have hundreds of thousands and millions i think sooner than 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 people would would expect um but then in terms of tourism like foreigners i think there's a same thing really it's it's trending in the right direction there's there is a growing community of bitcoiners not just as tourists but people that are actually moving here and living here um and and a lot of them are you know everybody's different right some people are uh maybe they're retiring here right um but others i've i've met quite a few people who have moved here because of bitcoin who are innovators who have you know really interesting ideas to start a new business um or or a new project or whatever and and a lot of that there was a delay for for a lot of people most people did not come <laughs> in in 2021 most people came in 2022 i think most most foreigners wanted to 
wanted to wait a little bit and and make sure that uh that it was real <laughs> you know again <laughs> I, had, I had some disbelief as well when i first started mm-hmm. uh and and you know there, there's a little bit of a time uh time lag there so the people that came in 2022 i think we'll start to see some more fruits of of their labor this year in 2023 and even more people are going to come this year so again i think for for both the the trend is is going in the right direction that's awesome and it's i'm glad to hear that (laughs) because yeah i think uh, i think the same way because most people uh think that it should be like fast and i think it's not always the the right direction i think it's, it's better to be slowly and steadily and uh, but keep growing and as you said we are in the in the beer market so yeah in the bull market we'll we will see all the potential okay so we have around 10 minutes so we're going to do this little game that all the people that watch the podcast already know it's called hard truths and uh, i'm going to share you the link Really quick, while I explain you the game, the game, it's uh, rock, paper, scissors. We do it three times. And uh, the loser had to pick a random question about this random list. Uh, it's not related with Bitcoin. It's uh, like really funny questions <laughs> about okay. about our life. And uh, the winner make the questions. So it's going to be like sh- short answers about it. And let me see. Here's here. Uh, I'm going to share it here. <laughs> okay so i had to pick two randoms um numbers so let's see uh and then you won for me it's three and five <laughs> three and five is that what you answer or what i answer no th- that's my the question that you're going to make me okay and then i pick one i'll uh i'll pick a high number i'll pick um 88 I'm asking you three and five, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so what's your most bizarre nickname? Oh, gosh. <laughs> bizarre nickname. Um, I don't know. People, bizarre, I don't know, but uh, my family always call me Chele. Uh, I bet you already heard that nickname, nickname in El Salvador. And if not, Chele means uh, white, that a white person. But because uh, because I used to be very white, I'm more than I am right now. So, and uh, it's like a nickname that I always had in my family. I don't know who picked it, but it's my okay. familiar <laughs> nickname, <laughs> Chele. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like your mug. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, all right, so very cool. I'll ask you number five then too. Yeah. Um, summer, winter, spring, or autumn, and why? Oh, definitely summer. And my answer uh, why is because I'm from El Salvador, so we have the coast, <laughs> and in El Salvador is always most of the time in summer and uh, currently i live in spain and right now we are in winter and i'm very cold (laughs) (laughs) but when we have summer i just love it (laughs) it's the best time it's the best season ever (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you said 88 right 
Yeah. Uh, wow, that's a that's a good one. It says, "What are you most proud of in your life?" Ah, uh, who? What am I most proud of? Um, I feel like it's a lot more serious than what's your favorite season. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm most proud of my first Bitcoin. This is, I, I have been an activist for, for 20 plus years um, because I think that we all have some some responsibility to try to do something good for the world, to to leave the world better than we found it. And I've tried to do that for for much of my life, and um, it's, it's a tough task, right? Uh, I I think that me Premier Bitcoin is an idea whose time has come. And it's attracted some really, really incredible people to to push it forward, and and um, and I, I, you know, one, the future is uncertain, but two, the best way to predict the future is to create it, and I believe that's what we are doing. I believe that we are we are putting our thumb on the scale to to help. Uh, to help determine what what path we take going forward in in a way that is is a bit is a bit bigger than a small group of people should be able to do right it's like this high leverage opportunity uh and um i am i am very very proud to 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 be involved with that effort that's awesome yeah i i believe that too and uh okay just for i think we're going to start to wrap it up so last two questions uh the first one is any thoughts or any comments for anyone that are thinking to going to el salvador to it could be for moving to el salvador or just visiting and making tourism um what can you say to to the people of the world and that and for going to El Salvador and the Bitcoin economy? So everyone that can should come to El Salvador to see for themselves, right? As as Bitcoiners, we don't trust, we verify. So don't take my word for it. Come here and see it for yourself, uh, because it's it's this is this is the front line of the next war. And I have a lot of hope here. There is a lot of hope here. Um, and you feel it. It's palatable. Uh, so if you can come here for yourself and if you want to if you want to see what's happening in the in in the Bitcoin space, there's two main centers. One would be San Salvador, which is you know the largest city, the capital, and the other would be Bitcoin Beach. And not even just Bitcoin Beach at this point, like the surrounding that that whole area, right? Like the the next villages as well. Um, we have Meet Premier Bitcoin has a meetup the last Thursday of every month in San Salvador, and then sporadically at other times and places throughout the country. And Bitcoin Beach also has a monthly meetup. Um, they just had one. It was the start of the month. I I, I don't know if they have a set schedule for like. Uh, 
think it's usually like Mondays. Uh, I'm I'm not sure what the schedule is for the Bitcoin Beach meetups, but but uh, but both of those are great places to 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 kind of plug in to 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 the people that are already here. Okay, perfect. And the last question is uh, to anyone that wants to get involved with uh, Me Premier Bitcoin. Uh, how they can do it, uh, even if there are, they can do it if, like, for example, me, if um, if I am abroad, how how can we get involved with your project? Yeah, um, so we have very grand ambitions. the The focus is El Salvador, but the mission is the world. Because our ambitions are so grand, we need a lot of help. Uh, so. The easiest way to help, and this 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 does make a difference for us, is to donate to the project. We only use Bitcoin, so we only accept Bitcoin. Um, and you could find on our webpage, which is mepremierbitcoin.io or myfirstbitcoin.io. You could find the tab there to donate, uh, and that 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 really helps us. Um, also, people could donate their their time, their expertise. Um, you know, you could be a volunteer and you don't have to necessarily be, be here. We work with, we work with like, I'm immediately jumping off a call uh, off of this to go to another call. Uh, and the other person on the call is actually someone who lives in, in Puerto Rico. Um, but they work for, or they volunteer for, for me, for my Bitcoin at the moment. Um, so whatever your skill set is, you know, we probably need it. <laughs> because this is a really, really big task. Uh, so yeah, donate, donate your bit, donate your Satoshis, donate your, your energy, your time, um, your expertise, all of those are helpful. Uh, and on our website, uh, uh, an email to reach out to would be info at me from but also on our Twitter, if you write us a DM, so that's my first Bitcoin underscore. Um, just to get in touch and and uh, and see, yeah. Okay, John, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts about Bitcoin and your project. And uh, good luck. Uh, I wish you the best because what you're doing is really, really, really good, really impactful. And I think people in El Salvador need it. Uh, people need education, and not just in El Salvador worldwide, but especially in, in my country, they're living it. So education is really important. So thank you for your time. Thank you for, yeah. for everything that what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> see you guys. See you next week. <laughs>